During the early days of the pandemic, we drove around to families in our church family to say hi and see if anyone needed anything. One of our sweet families raised chickens. A handful of those chickens would fit in the palm of your hand. They were adorable, itty-bitty chicks. The girls loved them. They begged us to let them have chicks. But I warned them, chicks grow up to be chickens. But they told me, but the lady chickens grow up to be hens, and the hens grow up to give eggs. Good point. Omelets and scrambles worth of eggs. We thought about raising chickens. It was a quick thought, but since eggs cost as much as a Prius now, we're thinking about it again. It sounds fun. They're adorable as chicks. They give delicious eggs as chickens. Where's the downside? We shopped chicken coops and fencing, and it's a big investment. You've got to buy the chickens, feed the chickens, house the chickens, protect the chickens. When everybody else runs over to Branson for a weekend, somebody has to stay at home to collect the eggs and feed the fowl. It'd be ideal if we could try it out without spending thousands only to realize this is not for us. Maybe we could rent chickens. Now, I know that sounds far afield, but it isn't. Somewhere somebody hatched the idea that they could make a mint renting chickens. Now, I know you can rent an apartment and a house and a couch and a big screen and a dryer, but I didn't know you could rent a chicken, but you can. I'd love to know how that idea started. I'm guessing the chicken renting mogul first scrawled the idea on a napkin and showed it to a friend who laughed and said, It's the worst idea I've ever heard of. Who in the world would want to rent chickens? Right now, just about everyone. So many brand new businesses start off as a hand-scrawled drawing, but after the business starts, both the napkin and the business end up in the trash. It's tough to get something off the ground that will reach the sky. Their idea probably started off as a stick drawing in sand, but it didn't end there. And Nimrod looked around at his friends, pointed at the drawing, shrugged his shoulders, and asked, Well, what do you guys think? And his friends answered, It could work. If it doesn't, we can always rent chickens. Hey, good day to you, Simplified listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Babble on Simplify. They had heard their great-great-great-grandfather tell them about a worldwide flood that washed away the entire world except one faithful family. They determined they would not suffer a similar fate. So they stood there staring at Nimrod's drawing in the sand and started thinking and scheming and dreaming. They would build a city and a tower whose top reached all the way to heaven. Everybody would know their name and nobody and nothing, no matter how powerful, not even God, could scatter them from one end of the earth to the other. They made their materials list and ran down to Lowe's for bricks and asphalt, but there was no Lowe's, so they built a Lowe's. Then they ran down to Lowe's for bricks and asphalt. They all had the same business plan. They all spoke the same language. As they started to build their city and tower under Nimrod's watchful eyes, they got God's attention. He took a look at what they were doing, and he said, Look, the people are united. They all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Now, I've never tried building a tower to scrape the sky, but I'm sure it's no picnic. I can't even build with Legos to touch the ceiling before they topple. But these people pulled their skills and their stuff together, and with that level of unity and devotion, God knew they could do anything. Now, if that level of unity and devotion could build a tower to scrape the sky in their day, what could it do in our church and in our city and our day? And I get that we're different, and that's great. That's why Jesus prayed for his disciples to be one. He could have prayed for them to be powerful and prayerful, but he prayed for them to be united. 
If they could be filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and knit together in unity, they would be powerful and prayerful. But when Jesus first found them, they were not united. They were as different from each other as ramen noodles are from ribeye. Andrew was soft-spoken. Peter, his brother, was a loudmouth. James the Greater was well-known. James the Lesser was unknown. They had different hobbies, different jobs, different skills. Jesus even recruited a tax collector and a zealot who made his living killing tax collectors. There were a few fishermen, at least one worrywart like Philip and one bookworm like Nathaniel. Men, women, probably a few children, all followed Jesus. But Jesus knew if they would come together and unify through all their differences and all their diversity, he would change the world through them. And he did. When God saw the Babel Builders' unrivaled unity, he knew they would finish whatever they started, no matter how tall the task. One team kept mixing together the asphalt for the mortar. Another pulled bricks hot out of the oven. They handed them off to another team who gave it to the bricklayers. They kept laying one brick after another, handed it off to the next guy in line who laid it in place, and the next guy gave another heaping helping of asphalt to hold it in place. They had wheelbarrows full of unity at the Tower of Babel. By the time the sun set each day, they were a few steps closer to heaven than they were the day before. Unity does that. And they caught God's attention. Unity does that too. Since they didn't pull permits, it was God's job to inspect their work to ensure they were doing right for the right reason. And when he knew they were not, he put a stop to the tower, but not like you would think. Now maybe you've read the last few verses of Genesis 11 and you know how the story ends, but pretend like you haven't so you don't. If you were looking for ideas for how God would topple the tower, ideas abound. God could have blown on the bricks and toppled the tower. It would have taken them years to rebuild another one, and they probably would have tried, but he could have toppled that one too. It would have been whack-a-mole with the Tower of Babel. He could have set stinging rain or freezing snow and kept all of them inside and away from the tower. He could have turned the tower upside down while they slept and laughed at their surprise when they woke. He could have turned the bricks into little gold coins like on Super Mario Brothers. They would have made a lot of money and very little progress. But God in his wonderful wisdom gives us insight into a powerful principle. He confused their language so they couldn't understand each other. Hey, Babo, hand me another brick, would you? Uh, no hablo English. What did you say? All right, how about you, Pete? You get me a brick. Uh, what is going on? Seemingly overnight, God multiplied their languages so they couldn't understand one another. And the unity that used to knit them together unraveled at the seams. They couldn't talk to each other anymore. And that was enough to stop their building and scatter them from one end of the earth to another. It's hard to have unity with each other if we don't talk to each other. This Sunday, here's your homework. Here's my homework. Let's do the unthinkable. Take a long walk and talk to somebody on the other side of the sanctuary. Find out how the family who parks on the other side of the church building is doing. Found out where the guy three sections over is working these days. Elders who sit on the back row, find out how school is going for students who sit on the front row. What could happen when God's people come together in unity? What could happen when God's people come together to do the right things for the right reasons? While the Tower of Babel people worked through all their differences to work together and build a tower to scrape the sky. When God stopped their work, he used language to scatter them more thither than hither, and some even went a little yawn. But on the day of Pentecost, God knit his church together. 
With all their differences and all their diversity, he reached into his trusty toolbox and pulled out the same trusty tool that divided the world at Babel to unite the church in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. He used language. Perhaps that's one reason God chose speaking in tongues as the first sign that we have been spirit-filled. God brings people together from every nation under heaven. He brought them together on the day of Pentecost to let them know they could be forgiven and made right with him. They could be a part of something so much bigger than they are. They could be a part of his glorious church. But before any of that happens, Scripture finds God's people in one place, in one accord. In one instant, 120 brand new believers were spirit-baptized and Jesus' name baptized. And when the people in the streets heard what was happening for the people in that upper room, they wanted to hear more about it. So Peter stood. Remember Peter, the loudmouth? Well, this was his chance. He stood to speak to them what God spoke to him. And he preached one message for everyone, no matter where they came from or what language they spoke. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. We have all the pieces in place right now for a world-shaking, world-changing move of God. But the one piece our 21st century definitely needs, that the first century definitely had, was unity, especially among our diversity. The early church didn't wait until Sunday to see each other. They didn't have smartphones or social media, but they did have love one for another. So they lived life together. They cared for each other. They went to each other's houses throughout the week. They talked to each other. They understood each other. Let's do the same. Talk to your church family. Pray for the families in your church family. Call them, text them, write to them, spend time with them, eat together, live life together, do ministry together, teach a Bible study together, disciple somebody brand new in their faith together. Let's learn from the debacle at Babel and the miracle at Pentecost. We need more than beautiful buildings, HD cameras, and parking lot greeters. We need the blessing of God, and we need each other. And if we have both, one day, we will reach heaven together. Would you pray with me right now that God would knit our hearts together? Thank God for truth. Thank God for unity. And when we have both of those, we will have revival. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you for the revival you are bringing to our world that we're seeing in universities and colleges all around. I thank you for that, God. Keep doing that. Keep doing all you're doing. And while you're doing all you're doing, help us to talk to each other, love each other, care for each other. Help us to bear each other's burdens. Help us, Lord God, to be unified. Bring us together. May the prayer request you prayed for your disciples be the same as we pray for us Bring us together. Make us one. I pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you for truth we read in the word. I pray, God, give us unity so we can do what you have called us to do together. We want to reach heaven. We want to do our very best to build something that will point people to you, that will bring people to you. I ask you today in the precious name of Jesus, knit our hearts together, first to you and to one another. I pray this and I thank you for it. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much, Simplify listeners. Be sure to subscribe and share and turn on the notification so you'll know every time a new episode drops and you won't have to miss anything on the Simplify podcast. 
Share it with your friends, and they won't have to miss anything either. And head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. We've got some great resources, a couple of books I would love for you to check out. I wrote a book called Simplify. It's the devotional that launched this podcast, as well as 10 Words, A Practical Look at the Ten Commandments. And in case you're wondering, the book on the Beatitudes is currently being edited and will hopefully be ready sometime soon. So we'll have that book similar to 10 Words, but on the Beatitudes. And when you go over to PentecostalPublishing.com, be sure to use promo code SIMPLIFY at checkout. And if you've not used it before, you can save 10% off your entire order. Promo code SIMPLIFY at checkout. I want to welcome some of our listeners from around the world, some friends of ours from Guatemala. Bienvenidos a los amigos de Guatemala. Estamos alegre que está aquí and Simplify. Very happy to have you here on Simplify. So welcome our escuchadores de Guatemala. Happy to have our Guatemalan listeners with us on Simplify. Next week, we continue our walk through the beginnings, and I want to share with you a devotion called Father Abraham. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus and with you as we walk through Simplify.